Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the thing about life insurance. It's leverage. So you're always winning. Whether it's your transfer of wealth or if it's your living benefits that you're using in the policy. And it's all about what your strategy is. You're going to use the money to buy something else that's going to increase your net worth. It's supposed to be so that you can build the net worth. All right, so we are back with another incredible episode of Rants and Gems. This is Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700, but better known as MG, the mortgage guy. We are live. We are blessed. Thank God for another day. All right, before we get started, we introduce my special guest. Make sure you guys go to Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you guys download the pod, share it to 30 friends, leave a five-star review. Let's make Rants and Gems the number one real estate podcast in the world. So today we're going to have a different type of conversation. I don't think we've had this conversation on Rants and Gems previously. Um, We're going to talk about Life insurance. I know. I know. Some of you probably thinking life insurance, what the hell does it have to do with real estate? But it has a lot to do with real estate because in this episode, we're going to teach you how you can use your life insurance to help you buy real estate and ultimately create more wealth for you and your family. So I'm bringing on one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Uh, my girl, she's actually my life insurance agent too. So you can actually, she's not like one of these internet people who are just out here talking about life insurance and stuff like that. She's actually a licensed agent and her name is actually Lindsay Smith, the agent (laughs) on, you know, all social media platforms. So first of all, throw some gems in the comment for my girl, Queens get the money, big Queens in the building. Let's go. Lindsay Smith. What's yes, up, Lindsay? Yes, what's up, Matt? You alive and you blessed? I'm alive and I'm blessed. I love that introduction. Yes, yes, yeah. Big queens in the building. Queens, queens get the money. Queens get the money. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Queens is in the house, son. <laughs> all right, I got hype a little bit right there. I got hype. All right, so first of all, introduce yourself for the audience. Uh, let them know who you are and how long you've been a licensed agent for. Sure. So my name is Lindsay Smith, but better known as Lindsay Smith, the agent. I'm a licensed life insurance agent. I also am a broker and I also own my own agency. And of course, I'm the author of Okay. Gotta do the plug. Shameless plug. I didn't even (laughs) see the book sitting over there. Okay. Okay. Creating wealth through life insurance. Okay. So I'm a best selling author. Facts. That's why. Okay, okay. I like the shameless plug. Oh, don't let me forget to tell you I've been in the business fourteen years. 14 years. 14 years. Okay, okay, I like Not that. Not new to this. You true to this? True to this. Okay. <laughs> Lindsay, y'all. <laughs> she coming with that big queen's energy earlier, the legacy creator herself. All day. All right, so look, I got a couple questions for you. Let's get straight to the point because I don't want to leave no fluff. Like I said in my intro, there's a lot of people out here 
on the internet that's talking about life insurance and talking about the plays, but a lot of these folks are not even licensed professionals. And me being a licensed professional, I love to speak to other professionals uh, who happen to just be on the internet and put out content to educate our community because you guys actually transact and you do, you write policies every single day. Real business. Yeah, real business, right? So first of all, let me bring out my, my notes here. Can you explain how life insurance can be used as a financial tool for buying real estate and also building wealth? All right. So the first part of the question mm -hmm. of how to use life insurance to build wealth or to use it as a tool to buy real to estate. To buy real estate, right? Okay. So first off, if you purchase a policy, all right, let's use let's use you. Okay. All right. So if we purchase a policy that I is, do have policies with you. You do have a policy with mm -hmm. me, a few. Couple M's. Yes. Okay. Definitely. So if you purchase a permanent policy, and that's what I need everybody to know, for you to actually use the policy, use the cash value in the policy, which we're gonna get to, it needs to be a permanent policy, not a term policy, a policy that builds cash value. So step one is we're going to purchase a permanent policy. That is gonna be either a whole life policy or a universal life policy. Second thing we're gonna do is our goal is going to be focused on cash accumulation so that we have access to more cash in the earlier time frame of our policy. So we're going to buy a policy that is going to be structured, focused on cash value. Okay. And if we structure this policy properly, which means you need to get a licensed agent that knows what they're doing, if you have an agent that knows what they're doing, they're going to structure this policy properly, so you're now going to focus more on cash value. We can overfund this policy so that we'll have access to more cash immediately. Now, when we go out to purchase our real estate, we now have cash that we can loan from ourselves so that we're able to use it for our down payment, for our home renovations, for if we become in a hardship and we're not able to pay for our home, we can make sure we keep our home. And also, if we do it from a standpoint of purchasing a policy for our young children, we will build money over time so that by the time they're ready to purchase real estate, they will already have what most don't have, which is the money saved to have as a down payment or closing costs or just the liquid amount of money you have to have the three to six months of your mortgage in the bank. Okay. So you said a whole lot right there. I want to go a little bit deeper, right? First of all, what is cash value when it comes to life insurance? Okay. So cash value is going to be the added bonus to your insurance, okay? It's going to be the part of the policy that grows over time that you're going to be able to borrow from the policy. It is a living benefit in your life insurance policy. Okay, so every time you're making an insurance payment, your cash value builds up. Yes, but really, and this is how it works internally, what's happening is the life insurance policy if you're with a dividend paying company, is going to be paying dividends to your policy and also interest to the policy. So when you make a payment, your policy is paying for the insurance, but it's also gonna have a portion of that payment that's going into the cash value. Where the money is really being made is when the dividend is declared by the insurance company, whether it's 5% or 6% or whatever percent, like right now, most of the companies are about five and six percent. So that means when they declare that dividend, if you have 
say $10,000 in cash value in your policy and it declares a 6% dividend, you will get a return of 6% on that $10,000 in your policy, which bills you more cash value and in turn will increase your death benefit. So if you die, so this is the twofold in life insurance. Okay. We can use it as a living benefit, but it transfers wealth when we die because now it's going to give our family a tax-free death benefit at death, which is actually going to be more than the cash value that's in the policy. Yeah, because the entire policy, let's just say it's a million dollars, but typically on a million dollar policy, how much is the cash value over time? So this is many factors, and so I don't like to fluff this situation because it depends on your age, your health, your rating, all of these different things, when you got it and how long you have it. But let's use an example of a 30-year-old. 30-year-old mm -hmm. buys a million-dollar policy. I'm going to use myself. At 30, I bought a $1 million policy. It cost me $936 a month. A month, okay. At age 30. Okay. And this is a whole life. This is a $1 million whole life. Okay. All right. This is a regular whole life. Now, there are variations of whole lives. Some whole lives are going to build cash value faster because they have shorter pay periods. But this is one that you pay to age 100. Okay. So if you're going to pay this $1 million policy for the $936 a month, by the time I'm 85, my cash value is going to estimate to be about. 1.7 million. Their cash value. My cash value, which means my death benefit now is almost 3 million. Okay. Okay. So I can actually use that 1.7 million. So the key question people are going to say, well, I got to wait till I'm 85 to use the 1.7. No, whatever cash value has built up at whatever age you're ready to take some money, you are able to borrow that. So let's just say at age 40, Okay, at age 40, which I'm 42 right now, at age 40, I had over $60,000 in cash value in the policy. When I started doing the renovations on my home, which you know about, mm -hmm. I needed to take some additional money out. I took some money from my policy. I loaned $50,000 from my policy, and I'm able to use it for whatever I want to use it for. And so that's the living benefit. So it's not that you got to wait till you're 85 to use the money. It's whatever money is available at the time that you want to use it. So in a 12-year time frame, you built up a cash value of $60,000, which down you can you pulled out 50,000 and you was able to rehab your property, mm -hmm. right? Now, when you pull out this money, what are the pros and the cons of doing something like this? Okay. So when you pull out money from a life insurance policy, there is an interest that they're going to charge you, an annual interest. Right now, the interest rates for most companies is 5%. So if I pull out $50,000, the annual um, interest rate is 50%. But it's not like a bank where you have a structured loan where we have to pay this loan back this year. What's going to happen is I can decide five years from now, hey, I want to pay some of the loan back. I want to pay the interest on it. If you do not pay the interest back, and let's say your policy doesn't have any more cash value in the policy, that can eat the policy up. So you want to try to pay your interest if you can, but if you need a couple of years to pay it, you can. So in this example where I took 50, I actually had 60. 
Also, while I'm taking this loan, my money is still making compound interest. So it's still actually building. So matter of fact, last year, my dividend was 14,000. Okay. So even though I took 50, I had the 10, it also paid me another $14,000. Right. So I'm back at 24,000. Explain the dividend just for, because I want to make sure this doesn't go over nobody's head. Because the purpose of me doing this type of content today is not only to educate people on how to use this, because a lot of people call it like infinite banking, right? Creating your own bank, use life insurance, and all that other good stuff. But I and also we'll wanna, get into breaking down and that. And we can break that all down too, but I want to be able to, people to understand how life insurance really works, pros, the cons, because most people don't have insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times we see people in our hoods die, and now it's a GoFundMe out there, Fish right? Fish fry, GoFundMe. Fish fries, gun, everything, right? So. I want you to be able to break this down for people so they can really understand and then call you to do their policy, right? So what's this dividend you're speaking about? So the dividend is going to be what the insurance company declares to give you for owning a whole life policy. Not all companies give a dividend. Let's just be clear. Typically, mutual companies are going to give a dividend. They do not have to. So you want to go with companies that have been given these dividends for 200 years, 150 years consistently, because you can obviously count on them giving you a dividend. Now, the dividend is declared by the insurance company, and that will be what gets paid to your policy each year based on what cash value you have in your policy. The good thing is if you have an insurance policy, a whole life policy, and and I want you guys to know this, we talked about permanent policies. Universal life policies do not receive dividends only whole life policies receive dividends, okay? So breaking down the dividend, it's just the money that you're receiving from the insurance company for owning that whole life policy. And you get this annually? You get it annually. Annually, so you took 50 and you still get a dividend of 14,000. Right. Annually. Right, because the type of company that I'm with is a company where when I take my loan, my dividend is still on my entire cash value. So it's still on the 60000 even though it's really, it really was only 10000 in there. Okay, so now you're able to borrow this $50,000. You, you you're being charged by the insurance company an interest rate. Annually. An annual interest 5%. rate of 5%. Mm-hmm. So now you basically became your own bank. Absolutely. Basically. So if someone who's watching this who wanted to kind of do this play to buy real estate, they could have, you did this to rehab. So you could pretty much do anything you would want with the money. That 50K mm-hmm. could have went to buy another property if you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then now you just paid, now how, what's your terms on paying back this money? Okay, so there are no terms because this is your own money. Mm-hmm. So if you pay yourself back, that money is available again, kind of like a line of credit. So, if you don't pay the money back, then that 50000 is saying that it's on loan and it's not available for you to use. But the interest will keep accruing. So it's 5% this year. If I don't pay back my interest, I don't have to pay the loan back. I could just pay the interest on it. Okay? If I don't pay the interest, then next year they're going to charge me for a loan on that interest, right? So... That mean, let's do the numbers. Let's just say there's $10,000, right? And a 5% loan on $10,000 is going to be what? Uh, 500, $500. $500, yeah. Right? So that means the interest is $500 for the year. 
So if I don't pay the $500, then next year it's going to take a loan out for $500. So now I'm really going to owe. So your balance goes up. Right. So you can elect to not pay anything back to yourself. Mm -hmm. And then that, that monthly, that annual interest accrues every single year and it goes on the back end. Mm -hmm. So how do you, so you have to pay your principal balance. In order for that five percent interest to keep, you have to pay. No, at least you the can interest. just pay the interest, and so that way it doesn't. Get it doesn't deferred. accrue. It doesn't get accrued. It doesn't get deferred to the back end of your mortgage. But now, if you want to pay more than the five hundred, then that will go to the principal of paying back of the loan. Exactly. So you have an option. You could literally just go online for most companies and say, "Hey, I want to make a hundred dollar payment towards my loan." Right. You can do it any way you want. That's the great thing about it. So for real estate, which makes it so good is let's say you do a deal and you're doing a flip and everything doesn't go as expected. So you thought this six month deal, it now turned into a year. But guess what? If you took the loan from your insurance policy, it's not like hard money where you got to just keep paying them every single month for this, for the interest. You don't have to, you could wait till your deal is complete. You sold the property and now you could turn about turn around and pay yourself back. And let's say you didn't make a profit on your deal. Something went wrong. Okay, so then I don't want to pay all of it back now. Maybe I just want to pay back some of what I got. Maybe I just want to pay the interest back. It puts you in a place where you have options. Unlike hard money. Hard money, they need that interest payment. Uh -huh. They need it. <laughs> you can't, you know, fall back from it. So in the life insurance, you control the payback of this loan. So what what if, all right, because I already know what people are going to say on this, right? You had this for 12 years. I want to get some money now, right? Mm -hmm. 12 years it took you to get 60000 on the cash value. What are the ways that you can kind of speed that process up so that way you can increase your cash value faster mm -hmm. so that way you can pull from this money and kind of act as your own bank, so to speak? Okay, so if you're trying to do this in a hurry, and this is the, the problem with, with us, everybody wants things immediately. Absolutely. It's right? the microwave. We want to put it in we, and have a meal. We 60 want seconds. it immediately. So what you can do is there are different types of permanent policies. And some are accumulation-based. Some are going to speed up your cash value way faster. So those policies I speak about that have a shorter pay period, like p policies that you only pay into it for 10 years or for 20 years and you're done with paying. These, these policies are going to speed up the growth of your cash value so that you're going to have some money early in the early years, if not in your first year immediately. Now, if you overfund your policy, overfunding meaning that you're going to dump in additional funds to these policies on top of the premium, this money is now going to be available immediately once it goes in and goes through, let's say 30 days later. So if somebody says, hey, Lindsay, I'm looking to borrow from my policy immediately. I want to do flips, but I need the cash now. I have this money. I do have to mention to you, when you put that money in, you're going to have access to less than what you put in, right? That, that I'm, it's, it'll be a lie if I tell you that's not the truth. The truth is, if you if you said, hey, I have $250,000, I want to dump into a policy, and I tell you, hey, your premium is $50,000 a year, we could dump that two fifty dollars in, and we can dump it in the next year. But if this year what you want to borrow, you're not going to be able to borrow the $250,000. They'll probably let you borrow up to about 80% of it. But 
let me tell you the win. The win is that when you're borrowing the money, the money that you're borrowing is gaining compound interest. So when you finally do pay yourself back, that money that you had out that you were using was making money. And the twofold to it is if you die, the death benefit is way higher than your 250. I just did somebody with this scenario. Their 250 got, and they were older, they were 53. So their 250 got them 3.7 million in death benefit, but that's because they were 53. If they were 25, it might've got them five, six million, right? But the young, you know, the younger you are, the cheaper the cost is. Now, they're able to go in, borrow the money. They're going to use it to purchase a property. Once they finish with their deal, their flip, they're going to pay themselves back. But that money made money while they had it out. Mm -hmm. And if they died, their family got $3.7 I think that's a win. So wait a minute. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm following everything you're saying. So you're okay. saying these people took out, they had a quarter million dollars cash. Yes. Sitting in their bank account. And they said, yo, we're going to go buy some real estate. So you said, wait, instead of you just going to buy the real estate, dumping into a property, let's put this 250 get you this whole life policy. I can get you $3.7 as a death benefit. Mm -hmm. Tax-free we'll, for ta your family. Tax-free for your family. We'll now pay the 250 into the whole policy. Was that one year worth of payments, or what did that 250 uh, accumulate to? Because they still gonna have to pay a monthly payment on this. So right? they won't. That include that was their annual. They paid. They took care of the annual with that. The annual premium was only 50. So since you paid 250, 200 was actually the dump in, and 50 paid the premium, but they paid it annually. So, so honestly, so technically, they basically pay like five years of their payment up front. Right. Basically. Right. Is what you're saying. So whatever your annual payment is, you just dump four or five years up front if you got it. Mm -hmm. They put that in there. And then how long did it take them to be able to now pull that money back out and borrow from themselves? So because they did an annual pay, mm -hmm. they within 30 days, they're able to go back in. He was able to take out 180. OK. OK. So he didn't need it just yet. But he has a deal on the table. So when he's ready, he'll be able to pull out 180 if it's within this year. Next, the next year, he was putting in another 250, and he was going to have access to three-something. I forget what the exact number is, but let's just call it 350, okay? Mm -hmm. um, but long story short, each year he would have access to more percent. Because in this particular policy that I used, which was an IUL that was accumulation-based, this policy has a 10-year surrender charge. So in the 10 years he had from the top year all the way down to the 10th year, he has a surrender charge. So it gets... What, 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 hold on. What the hell is a surrender charge? All right. Surrender charge is a fee that the insurance company is charging you saying, if you take this money out, we're going to charge X amount of dollars. Like a, like a prepayment penalty. Right. Okay. So in this... And how much is that? So it varies. Let's just say, let's just call it and say... Maybe you can't take out about 10% year one of it, year two, nine, eight, seven. Let's just say it's that. Okay. But that's not the exact numbers, but it, it goes down. That's a, a scale. A it's a scale, a sliding scale down where when you get to year 10, you basically could take 100% of the cash value that's available. So this is the thing. Although he was only able to take out 180, he had 237,000 available. His account has $237,000 in it. 
It's just that the part he was able to touch was the 180 because they're holding that to make sure that they could take care of this death benefit. That's what they're doing. Okay. But the benefits of him using it, instead of just using the money out of his bank account that he could have just did to do the deal, his money is making money while it's here. And so each year it's going to make money. And this is the thing. Let's say you have a bad year too. And you're like, I can't pay my premium. You really don't got to worry about it because you paid 250 So the policy could pay itself next year. But obviously, if you want to build the cash value to the max, you're going to dump in some more money. But maybe next year you don't want to dump in 250 and you dump in 100 because that's how your deal's played. You can. So it's a lot of flexibility in this type of policy. Just, it's kind of like, sounds like a, a home equity line of credit slash secured credit card right on steroids like you kind of put your own money in to play with your own money get your money back but also on the flip side like you say you have the benefit of a death benefit of a couple million dollars so you basically flipped your 250 to 3.7 million dollars in this case god forbid something happens to you during this process because life happens because life happens no one no one knows what's going to happen so at least instead of someone out there who's maybe watching this who's not probably running their plays or setting up their financial situation like this, maybe you got 250 300 that you was going to use to invest. Your suggestion is, your strategy is, put that into this specific type of policy, get the death benefit, couple million dollars, borrow 80% of it right away, use that now 80% to do your flip or do your burr strategy or whatever it is, and then when you burr or you flip, pay yourself back, and then take your proceeds, and you can keep your proceeds in the chain. So if you made five hundred thousand, and you only took out one eighty, so now you can go ahead, pay your one eighty, pay back your one eighty, and back, keep your money. And then now you can still now take that three twenty, open up another policy separate of that one, right? Or you could dump it into this one. Okay. Right, because this one, where I set it up, where he can dump in two fifty each year for 10 years. Now, if he doesn't want to, he doesn't have to, but this policy itself will allow it. So this is why it's important that you deal with an agent that knows what they're doing and knows how to structure these type of policies because it's all about how you structure it. From the beginning, I have to have an idea of what you would like to put in so that I can say, okay, this policy in a lifetime could hold X amount of dollars, which could generate X amount. And this is the other thing. You start out with a death benefit of 3.7. The way I structure this policy is we level out a death benefit so you get the most cash value, so you're not paying for so much insurance. But later on, it pops, and around 61, the death benefit jumps up to like 4.9 million. Then it goes all the way. By the time he's 85, I think it's at like 6 point something million, almost 7 million. And, and that's what adding no additional lump sums. That's with him just in this particular policy, that was me showing 250. For year one and a hundred k for the other nine years. Mm. So even if you what's that nine hundred k? That's plus nine, ten, eleven. That's one point five. Yeah. So he puts in over a ten year time frame. He'll put in one point one five of his own money, but in turn that will flip. God forbid something happens to him, it'll go to a six point nine million death benefit. You said? Yeah, basically. Shit. And the longer he lives, the higher that grew. Shit. Right. So this is the thing about life insurance. It's leverage. 
right? It's pennies on a dollar. A lot of people try to go against it. They're like, yeah, but I'm getting less money. Yeah, maybe initially you are. Initially, you're going to get less money than what you're putting in when you're loaning from it. But eventually, the cash value is going to supersede by far the amount of money that you put in. The death benefit by far supersedes what you ever put in from the gate. Hmm. So you're always winning, whether it's your transfer of wealth, tax-free, or if it's your living benefits that you're using in the policy. And it's all about what your strategy is. Now, if you're going to be the person that's going to get the... Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. This policy and take out all the money, don't do any real estate. That's not really creating your own bank. That's creating your own fail. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> I mean, because in that situation, you're not using it to grow your net worth. The purpose of the, creating your own bank is that you're going to increase your net worth. You're going to use the money to buy something else that's going to increase your net worth. Put that money back, have more money to buy something else that's going to create, whether it's you starting a business, you buying real estate, whatever it is that you're doing, it's supposed to be so that you can build the net worth. If you use it properly. And you're doing it from both sides of the fence. Right. Because now you're taking the capital that you was already going to have anyway, and you dump it into this policy. You borrow from yourself, got an interest being paid back to yourself. Now you take that, dump it into real estate, create your net worth there. If you buy right, you'll be able to burn out of it, keep that asset, get cash flow. Right. Take your money back out, pay yourself back. Use it again. You And then borrow it again. And repeat. And when you bought it again, you got more because it was making you money while while you brought this asset. Because it's compounding interest while you were in the middle of this deal. So now you leveraging your life insurance, you leveraging the bank's money to get your asset and you just keep flowing and flowing and flowing before you turn up 10 years, you can have probably $20 million worth of insurance and probably definitely over a seven figure eight figure, depending on what you buy, and real estate portfolio at the same time. Absolutely. And so I also want to say this because some people are watching this and they're saying, well, I don't have 250000 to dump in. Okay. You can do it at any Let, level. All right, so let's let's talk to a more realistic level. Okay. Somebody's watching this right now. They got $50,000 that they intended to use that to invest the money. They're relatively healthy. Let's just say they're 35 years old, good-paying job. They want to get this type of policy. What, what type of numbers are we looking at? Concept is still the same. So I did a, thir he's 30, 30 year old. Uh -huh. He's dumping in 50,000 for the year. His actual premium is 12,500. So even if you didn't have the 50, the premium itself is 12,500. Okay. But he's putting it in 50, so that's taking care of basically almost three years, okay? He's going to use this money to renovate a home. Now, he lives in Florida, so everything is not as expensive as New York, right? Correct. You can find some deals that's a little bit less. But he's going to use this money same exact way as this other person. And it's going to look the same. He started out with a $1.3 million death benefit. 
his death benefit grows to be about $4 million. It's the same thing. Whatever numbers you got, if you got 10000 to put in for the year, we can do it. We're going to do it at the level that matches with your numbers. Mm. So you don't have to be somebody rolling in a doll you don't. to use this type of strategy. You don't. But I, would, I, I want to say this. A lot of people have the mindset that they want the 7 the 10 the $15 million policy, and they tell me they got the $1,200 annual premium. That does not. That's not going to work out like that. Right? Now, with the $1,200 premium, we still can get you a policy. Is it going to have $5 million in cash value? No, it's not. Right? But it's going to be relative to the money that you're putting in. So I want everybody to understand when you're watching these videos on Instagram and they're telling you about you could borrow this 100 k and get your car tomorrow, you got to have 100 k in your policy. So it can't be the $25,000 policy. And when I say 25000 I mean the death benefit. It can't be a $25,000 death benefit policy and you're looking to have hundred k in year two. I had somebody say that to me. They was like, I want to buy a house. I need $200,000 as a down payment. I got a $200 budget. $200 said, a month budget. <laughs> yeah. So I said... If you find that deal, I want to know it. I want to know where I could make 200K in one year with a $200 budget. I, you want to join that club? Because I, I, I would love to. I will join that club. So we have to be realistic. This is still finance. And the numbers make sense. It's compounded, right? So you compound something small, it's going to grow, but it's going to be small, way smaller numbers. All right, so... What are the tax implications on doing something like this, right? Because when you sell a piece of real estate, you have capital gains, especially if you're doing as from an investment standpoint. So when you're doing a burn, obviously you're doing a cash out refinance. You ain't paying no tax on that money. You can dump in and out, right? But for the house flippers, the people who want to flip houses, how does that work now if you are technically borrowing from your life insurance policy, you're using that to flip a house, and then now you flip and now you have all these gains and... Like, what happens in that standpoint? So, as far as the life insurance part, when you take the loan, it's a loan. So, it's no income to you because it's a loan, all right? Um, as far as the money you make on your deal, whatever you got going on with the IRS, with how much money you made, you know, you report, and that has nothing to do with the insurance. Mm -hmm. um, so, whatever tax implications you have when you purchase a home, and you flip it and you make money, you still have that. Okay. But there's no capital gains that you're paying from the compound interest you're making in your insurance policy. So if you essentially in that deal where we talked about that person put in about almost 1.2, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they actually ended up having cash value amounts in the latter future in the millions, that money has no capital gains because it's under the rule of the life insurance. But be clear, if your estate is above the exempt limit, then your estate can be taxed. And what's the limit? So right now it's four million. Okay. It was, it was actually, no, let me not say it's four million. I know Biden is trying to change it to four million. It was like 11 point, 
two or eleven point seven per person, right? But if you have million, yeah, uh, but and he's if, trying to lower it he, to four million. Okay, right. Fuck you gonna do and that matter of fact, I even seen something that he, they were trying to lower it to three million, which is really bad. But technically, right now, right now it's like eleven point whatever, eleven point two, something like that, like eleven point two. And so, if you're married, you can have the twenty two. Like if your spouse doesn't make the money, you do. You can use their side and have twenty two, twenty two million. But if he lowers it to four million, it's gonna put a lot of us in a really bad spot. Because that means if you own real estate in any place like a New York or California, you know, yeah, you have four million. You have four million, and then all your assets, right? So that can make your estate taxable. And your life insurance is part of your net worth. So, for instance, if you own $5 million in life insurance and you got a home that's $5 million and you got some other assets for $5 million, you're above your limit. Yeah, you're done. You're done, okay? But for the average individual that doesn't have that situation, it is a non-taxable event. It's a tra- The transfer of wealth of life insurance is tax-free. Your estate tax, if you go above your tax limit, that's something different. So what are some other factors that investors need to take into consideration when trying to use life insurance and kind of being your own bank? Okay. So the key thing that I like to point out is the buy-sell agreement. Okay. Okay. What's a buy-sell agreement? So a buy-sell agreement is an agreement that's going to be written up saying, what happens if I die or you die when we have a business together? What happens to our shares? What happens to our beneficiaries? So it's the agreement we put in place. So let's do an example. You and I purchase real estate together. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say we buy four properties. They're valued at $4 million. Okay. We get a buy-sell agreement where if I die, you don't have to go into business with my daughter. And if... If you die, I mean, and and you die, I don't have to go into business with your kids and your family, okay? The buy-sell agreement would state that you own 50% and I own 50%, and when I die, the life insurance is going to pick up your 50% and pay your beneficiaries out, also is going to pay me so that the business is made whole. So the purpose of this is so... I'm not going to be in a place where I need to sell the property to give your beneficiaries the the money, right? Because if we own property, it may not be liquid. It may be $4 million tied up into the property. So $2 million is owed to your family when you die. But I may not have $2 million, but we're in business 50-50. So the buy-sell agreement is going to protect the business and allow the business to still thrive by paying the business because I now need to hire somebody to help me because maybe the financial responsibility that you had in the business, I still may need that help. So it's going to save me at that point for any expenses I may have when you die, but it's also going to save me from having to sell these properties to be able to pay your beneficiaries. Interesting. Buy-sell agreement. We like buy-sell agreements. Right. And and the thing about investors, a lot of people are doing investments these days where they have a partner. You know, a lot of people are doing these group investments where they're going and purchasing buildings and and houses together. Protect yourself because we don't know what's going to happen in life. Protect yourself with a buy-sell agreement. Fund it with the life insurance. Let the life insurance 
pay for that individual's beneficiaries and let that life insurance pay the business. And that's a one up for the business mm -hmm. because you already have the properties. So when that other, not that you're hoping your partner die, but life happens. And if your partner passes away, you got more, more money, more capital. What, what are some type of issues or challenges that can happen or arise while you're trying to put together this buy-sell agreement? So the individuals need to be insurable. So that could be a problem. The age may be different. If you're 60 and I'm 50, the cost for my policy and your policy can be way different. Um, and of course, depending on how you want to cover this buy-sell agreement, you have the option to cover it through term, which is obviously going to be the cheapest way to cover it. But some people would like to cover it with a permanent policy so that while you guys are alive, you're actually building capital for the business. So and I, you're able to use that capital to purchase more real estate, do your renovations, all different type of things. So using the same as an individual, how we explained earlier in this episode, you're doing it same in your buy-sell agreement with the whole life. And you paying, you can pay up your policy premiums to increase that cash value. Now in your agreement, you can now kind of like supercharge the business that you have with your partner, basically. Exactly. But you can also have a term and a whole at the same time with your agreements, Absol correct? Absolutely. Do you recommend that? So it really depends on the budget of that business. Because if they have a small budget, then the term is going to be the most affordable option. And if they have a larger budget, then it does make sense to have both because the term may cover the portion that you might not be able to afford in the permanent side. The permanent insurance is way more expensive, almost like 10 times more expensive than a term policy would cost. So you're gonna get less death benefit for your money. So if you're trying to cover large numbers, you might have a uh, majority of it in term and just use, you know, get a, a um, whole life policy or a universal life policy in addition to as a capital builder for the business. I like that. I like that. So there's so many different options. There's so many different ways you can do it. But basically, the bottom line is everybody should have fucking insurance. Everybody. As soon as you're born. And, and don't forget the legacy play of, you know, you had the episode where you talked about the individual um, with the, what's the household income? What do you say? 50K? 50,000, yeah. Right, yeah. 50,000. And how really it's hard for you to afford a home if you make 50,000 or less, especially in the big markets. Mm -hmm. Right. So in that case, why don't we start to look at purchasing life insurance for our children soon as they're born so that when they're ready to purchase real estate, when they're 21 out of college, if they go to college or 25 or whatever age they are, they already have a down payment. They already have the liquid cash that they're going to need to show to get approved by the bank. Because if I make a low income, I may never save $50,000 uh -huh. if I make 50000 That means I'm probably netting $3,000 a month, if that. So with a newborn, because I like that strategy you're saying, so with a newborn, what would, like, uh, on a monthly basis, how much would this cost somebody to insure their baby? So to insure a young child, let's just say somebody won. If we insure a one-year-old, uh, let's say for $100,000, it may cost about $30, $35. It's not bad. Okay. But this will give you a $100,000 whole life policy. This policy can essentially, by the time that baby is 85 years old, leaving money behind to their own kids, 
this can essentially be leaving a death benefit of upwards five, six hundred thousand dollars from the hundred thousand that you got them when they were young. But the cash value side around in their, let's say in their maybe 20s, their cash value should be somewhere around 20, 30,000, maybe 40,000, um, depending on if you overfunded it a little bit. So this is going to give them some seed money to have in their, their bank account when it's time for them to purchase a policy. And of course, if you make more income, you could get the larger size policy. You could get a 20 pay, pay to 65, all those different types of whole life policies that will supercharge that cash value and your kid can have way more money. It's up to you and what your budget is. But even if you want to get your child a policy and your budget is low, you could get a $25,000 policy for 14 or $15 a month. It's not bad. It's not bad. Right. Of course, that's not going to have hundreds of thousands, it's of about, cash, yeah, but it's going yeah. to have some money. It's going to have thousands right that you may not have had and so we have to stop that's the other thing we got to stop looking at what everybody else got and say hey i don't want to get insurance because i can't get the million dollar policy like matt got well i gotta get what i can afford so that i can make sure that i still build something on my level i don't have to have the million dollar i don't need to wait until i can afford the million dollar policy i'm gonna start with what i can and, and over on. time, yeah. I'll get more and more policies as I can afford more and more insurance. But I'm not going to not get anything because I'm waiting to copy you. Well, look, this is how I look at it. If you got insurance on your cell phone, you should have insurance on your life. Exactly. So for me, everybody can afford anything they want. It's just where you putting your money towards. Mm -hmm. Are you putting it to a brunch on Sundays? <laughs> are you getting dripped out mm -hmm. or are you going to protect your life? But I like the play of basically being your own bank. And that's really, if you want to be able to borrow a lot from your cash value, you basically need to have the money. But like you said, you can start at 10000 20000 pay your premiums up. Because in the most part, we're going to use this money anyway to invest or do some foolishness with it. So why not create, leverage. why not leverage it? Life insurance and how you just broke it down to me is just another form of leverage. In the same way you, we use in the bank's money, we use an insurance company's money at the same time. But we have to, the same way we've got to put a down payment for real estate, same way we got to put a down payment on our policies, pay up our policies for a couple of years, supercharge. Now, let me ask you this, even for my policies, because I did monthly mm -hmm. on my policies, can I supercharge my policies? Mm-hmm. And that Absolutely. and what it increase my death, cash value, my cash value, and, and your death benefit, and my death benefit. Mm -hmm. So what do I pay? I think with all my policies I have with you, I think I'm paying like no for, for the whole life. Mm -hmm. I think I'm you paying pay like, like almost three grand with everything. I think. I think yeah, like three grand with yeah. everything. But I think with the whole life, the whole life, I think it's fifteen. Fifteen, sixteen hundred. Yeah, something fifteen, like sixteen hundred for that one. So what's that like? Eighteen thousand, twenty thousand a year. Something yeah, like, like that. 18, 19,000. So if I wanted to throw 100K into this bad boy, mm -hmm. right, that will... How many years? We've had it for almost three years now. No, nah, I think it's been longer than that. I think this policy has been like almost four years. I know you passed your third year anniversary because I got the alert. 
So we're in between three and four. So okay. you have back money you can pay. So basically, a policy has a MEC limit. And for everybody to understand what a MEC limit is, that's when the policy becomes an endowment. And if you go above the MEC limit, your policy does become taxable. That's when the insurance company deems it an investment. So we always play right under the investment numbers from the insurance company. Um, and so each year you have a MEC limit that you can put in. But if you haven't put the money in, you get to put it in for all the years. So for three years, we haven't dumped the additional money in. You would be able to pay that, uh, that amount for each year and one, and one lump and, sum. And one lump sum. Right. And, then, and automatically, it would, be, it would supercharge your cash value and your death benefit. Now, what does happen is when you dump money in like that, they charge you... Or interest for putting the money in, right? Which I think right now is about 6%, right? Um, and so some people will say, well, why would they charge me an interest? Well, the dividend right now on the particular company that you're with um, is 6%. So it, your dividend actually washes that it washes out. out. But then next year, you got another 6% on that money. You wasn't going to have 6% on the money that was sitting in yeah, your bank account. Yeah, so, so it's basically you pay the fee one time. And that's it. And it's it a compounds one -time for fee the rest and, of their life. And it compounds as long as I'm living. Right. Yeah, so but I'm then also buys you more death benefit. So if you pass, it's way more than what you put in. Mm -hmm. It immediately increases that death benefit. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And makes that money available immediately as well. Yeah, because I can borrow a couple of dollars from it right now, but I wouldn't do it right now because it's like, all right, I don't really need this money. But I like the play that you gave here. It's like, all right, now what if I wanted to start a new policy, mm -hmm. right? Start a new policy because a boy losing weight. So, right, you said we can do something. So all for all my, my, my big bone people, <laughs> right, what's the word you use I said I can do? I can, like, refinance my policy, basically. So, basically, if you And were, get a lower low rate get once, a low rate. once I lose weight. Re-rate, yeah, that's what it was. You could re-rate as long as it's been one year. You could re-rate and come back and get a way cheaper quote if you re-rate for a better quote. How, how often can you do a re-rate? Once a year. Once a year. So every year as I'm losing weight, I can say, hey, Lindsay, I need to refinance, basically. Right. <laughs> and but the thing is, is, if it's not drastic, then you're not really going to see the difference in the re-rate, right? So you kind of want to wait till it's a big change. It's a big change. Right. Because they only, what they do when people are re-rating, especially on weight, they're only giving you half of that weight. So let's say somebody loses 100 pounds. They're going to say you lost 50. They're going to say you lost 50 because they assume that the person is going to gain back at least half of that weight. Jesus. So they, it's, you know, they put you in a... They put you in a little bind. A little bind. Yeah, but it's not bad. It's a good option but to have. But if you get a new policy... Then it's off of how it's gonna you be a new way. But that's what I'm saying. So what? And then they have to go back and change. If it's the same company, they'll go back and change those because your new policy is with that company. They're gonna change your rating on all of them. Mm, so you, that's a hack. Yeah, that's. A, I like to do it that way. <laughs> no, because you know what it is. The other one is skewed, right? Yeah, They're looking at you from an yeah, angle. Yeah, it's already you got preconceived notions on me already. Right. So in this one, it's new, and we're saying this is how much you weigh now. Yeah. Okay, I like that. So then I can now start from the beginning, fresh policy, let me dump 150000 100000 borrow 80% of that back right away, and just keep building and up And then we would policies. set a policy that allows you to dump that, that size that you want to put in, right? If I know from the beginning the type of money you want 
or aspire to dump in at times, I'm going to structure it where that policy can fit that amount and it not mech. Right. So let's say you're somebody who your income has dramatically changed from this year to next year. And so now you want to dump this huge amount, but you had a small policy. The smaller policy may not fit that amount without mecking. And because I didn't know that that's the amount of money that you wanted to dump in, I didn't know to structure to fit that size dump in. We may have to get another policy for us to fit those new numbers. Hmm. Now, this is the thing. Mecking is not always a bad thing. Let's say you're a real estate investor and you want to transfer your wealth to your family members and you don't want to pay the taxes on this money. Okay. And you don't care to borrow from the policy. This money is specifically to be passed on. At that point, you can make the heck out of a policy because as long as you don't take any loans, it's not taxable. When it transfer, when it becomes a death benefit at death, it's life insurance. It's tax free to your beneficiaries. So let's say you bought 20 properties, Matt, and you're like, you know what? I want to leave for sure these five for my kids and I don't need this money that I'm making from this policy. So all this money I'm making for, from this policy, whether it's rent roll or whatever, I'm putting it into this policy, overfunding the heck out of this policy beyond the MEC limit. I'm not going to touch this money. I'm going to pass this policy, the beneficiaries are my kids. Now you can transfer that wealth and you're not going to pay any taxes on this money because you never loaned from it. So even though you went above the MEC limit, you dumped in way over what you could. You had a small death benefit, but because you dumped in so much money, it became a large death benefit. You get to pass this money on and not have to pay capital gains. Mm. Jam. Right. So it is ways to use the MEC. Um, for people who know they don't want to touch the money in that policy. It's okay for it to make. Lots of gems. Lots of gems. Look, give us one more last gem. One more last gem, because you've been dropping some gems today. <laughs> and I don't want to go over nobody's head, so I want to give it one last gem. We're coming up on time right now. One more last gem that can get to people about, especially the real estate folks, of using life insurance to help them build wealth and build cash flow with those properties. Okay. So what I want to tell you guys is that regardless of the amount of money that you have, we could do the create your own bank policies. But I want you guys to understand, you're not going to have a large bank <laughs> if you're going to put small money into it. If <laughs> you got to put big money for a big bank. Banks. <laughs> big, big bank. bank big, <laughs> big, big bank money. take little bank. Yeah, exactly. So I want everybody to understand that I know on Instagram and on all of these different platforms, people are telling you that you could put little money and get a big bank. That is not how it works. The real is, depending on how much money you put in there, that will determine how large of a bank that you're going to have. All my real estate people, you need to contact them how to find you. So you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Smith, the agent, spelt with the A. You could go to my website, lindsaysmiththeagent.com, schedule an appointment with me, get your life insurance set up for you and your family, and let's create your own bank so you could create a 
large net worth for yourself? Look, guys, <laughs> we only bring in the heat here at Rants and Gems. Shout out to Lindsay Smith, the agent. And don't forget to get my book, y'all. Oh, yeah, yeah. If y'all really want to know about life insurance, tap in to my book. I break down all the types, the benefits, and all the possibilities that you can use for your business with real estate in this book. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, and my Rashad voice, Lindsay Smith. Thank you for coming <laughs> to the uh, Garland Media Studios thank and you. film Rants and Gems with me. This was a great episode. Make sure y'all drop some gems in the comments for my girl, Lindsay Smith, and make sure y'all go tap in with her. And I highly encourage everybody to use these strategies that she was just teaching here on the show to help you build wealth, build that death, death benefit, because life happens. You never know when it's your time. Especially if you got a couple dollars with you, instead of just letting it sit in the bank, put it into a policy, you get more of a return by having the money in your, in your policy anyway, and then you can use it like a line of credit, all right? So use life insurance to your advantage to build wealth with real estate. This is Matt Garland, NMLS number 58700, but better known as MG the Mortgage Guy. Peace. Peace.